This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Believe it! It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words, but no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Now come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Hope everybody had a great week. And next week is going to be crazy if you're a video game fan because E3 is coming uh, pretty much on the 11th of June. And we're going to see a lot of possibly crazy things, embarrassing things, some big reveals, hopefully some big reveals. And everything that's just coming out here i'm really looking forward to this This is going to be awesome and uh we're going to of course recap all of that here on talk time live um we're going to talk about that but we're also going to talk about news about some video early video presentations that came this week and we got to talk about this because video game fans are like so mixed about this whole new thing that's coming from google so we're going to talk about that in our next segment but also in our talk topic of this week, we're going to review Dark Phoenix, the final installment to Fox's Marvel X series. How well did this thing end? If it ended well. So we're going to talk about that in our talk topic. But before we do all of that, I want to give a big shout out to, of course, the lady that you heard at the beginning of this show. She is Emmy Award winner actor or actress, if you want to say it that molly flanagan a great friend of mine a client of mine on behalf of viewfinders identity search and design i have actually been again working with her promo work if you guys have seen my pictures on instagram and on the acmg facebook group uh that i posted she uh texted me sent me a picture of what i worked for i did a banner for her. so if you're gonna go to any con that molly flanagan is gonna be a part of and she's gonna be signing autographs and such and like that you're going to see a banner there, and it's designed by me. <laughs> so uh, I want to thank her very much for the opportunity. As always, she's a great friend. She is 
just a great all-around great person and she's truly deserving of the title hokage i can definitely tell you that so shout out to her and uh go ahead and check it out it's on my page you can follow you go ahead on uh follow me and you see it over there on instagram at dex xavier josiah you can also go into the acmg facebook group if you're a member there you can see it there and if you're not a member of the acmg facebook group go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash acmg1 you have to be 18 or older with a legit profile that looks very trustworthy and it is actually yours and it's five years or older so just put it out right there so you get you got different options to check it out but it's uh i am very honored to always be a part of that and to be able to do promotional work for any of my favorite voices in anime and video games or whatever so it's awesome you know i don't have the richest life in the world sometimes but not in in the course of uh financial if you will but sometimes these moments makes you feel like it so i always i always appreciate that as well um i do want to you know think about something here i don't know if you guys got a chance to see when they see us um i got a chance to see that i know it's not really exactly related to this but it is kind of related to me because in how it is related to me in a sense is because just like the central park five that could have been me you know, I'm, I enjoy doing this show. I enjoy having the opportunity to interview people that I never dreamed of I was going to interview or meet people that I never got a chance to interview or do things that I ever got to do. But all of that in a flash could have went away in 1992 when I was arrested and wrongfully accused of an arrest. And it almost took a turn in my life um in 92 i used to go to overbrook high if you guys don't recognize that in philly you guys do is to it's the high school that wilt chamberlain went to and more even recent will smith uh believe graduated from overbrook high i used to go there back then and i wasn't like the biggest angel in the world i was a trouble kid as well but i there were some limits to what trouble i would get into and definitely armed robbery whatever it was one of them and i ended up going over to a friend's house who winded you know winded up trying to hook me up with his cousin and she was there like no more than 10 steps away from his house the cops stopped me and i ended up being a suspect of sorts of a robbery that was like nowhere near where i was and where i got to i mean the angles and the timing and everything was just so off at the time but they picked me because I had the same coat, apparently, the same jeans, the same Timberland boots at the same time. And, you know, that's how it was. It's like they just they took you. And this was the 90s. So we wore a lot of big clothes. Apparently, my man recognized me by actually putting my hood on, which all you could see was my face. And he said, yes, that's him. I'm like, what the hell? So I winded up in what was what is called here, the Youth Study Center for the weekend. Uh, it's you know full of like young you know uh, impressionable delinquents if you will and luckily I knew a few people in there sadly I knew a few people in there that you know reassured my safety and security there uh, for the weekend and um, you know this is right after I actually went to jail I actually went to jail first in, in 55th street in our area and then shortly afterwards I went into you know the you study center where my mother finally found me and i was in house arrest i had to go to court i had to go through all this type of thing and god bless my late mother 
rest in peace. I love you so much because that was one of the most pivotal points of my life. And no joke, if not for her being smart enough to know my rights, to know everything that's going on, um, and having the right person to defend myself, I would not be here today. And of all people that have actually, that of all lawyers that was there to defend me, that believed in me and believed that I was innocent of any of these accusations that I defended immediately, by the way, the minute that I was, you know, accused of robbing, I immediately stepped up. I'm like, no way in hell am I even mentally capable of wanting to do that, let alone I was not even in the right place to even do that. And I'm totally innocent of this. This is no way in hell that I did this. Even my PO even realized that after a pun, you know, talking with me for the last few weeks and drawing his own inference of me, it was like, no, this kid is, he's just, he's innocent. He's just, no, he's not a threat. And of all lawyers to defend all this, it's nothing more. And if you're in the Philly area, you know this name. If you are into politics, whatever, yada, yada. David O, who is, believe it or not, the Republican city councilman. He Before that, he was a lawyer, and he was my mother's lawyer, and he actually helped me out. And um, he really believed in me and he believed in everything I'm doing. I mean, like, I'm just a young artist trying to figure my life out as a teenager. And, you know, damn if I'm going to be doing all that. You know, I did some really dumb things when I was in uh, high school and everything, you know, because of everything that was going on in my life. But that was, that's, no, that's where I draw the line. No way in hell. No way in hell. Still to this day, I'm like, no way in hell. That's just not me. So luckily, you know, with him in my defense, it worked out. Also, shout out to my uh, my old friend's, uh, you know, mother, God rest her soul too, um, Lois Johnson. She was there to, rep, you know, to support me as well. And, you know, if not for a situation that she did in court, I would not, it would not have, it actually would have been a bigger fight for me at that point in time so it actually worked out you know thanked them both but I'm thinking about that I think about that every single time and we were talking about that on my Facebook group and man it's it's real out here people man especially for us you know in a black community it's real out here so I forgive me for taking up the time of talking about that but the essence of this why the reason why I'm bringing up this because I'm like I said I'm thinking about everything that I've done and been able to do and I say this when I say this is why you need to not take anything for granted you need to not only not take anything for granted don't allow yourself not to take more chances in life to you know because you never know you never know what's going especially in our community man because we we've been pulled back so many times we've been pulled back an amazing amount of times and people some people don't believe it because they don't see it and they don't experience it and they don't they don't they share less empathy about it but it's real it is so real so when i get an opportunity to be able to do a show like this and to meet people like molly uh who gets it who understands it you know she's on the other side but she's also uh in her situation as well as a member of the l um lgbtq community along with her wife uh, lisa you know it's it's real you know, we're all going through some type of struggle because of ignorance, because of hate. And you got to take these chances in life. You got to fight for what's yours, man. And uh, 
I had too much going on in my life. I, I knew I had something special that I was like, I'm not going to be wasted going to jail. I'm, I'm No, if I go any further in my life the way I'm going, it's only going to get worse from here. So don't take your life for granted. Don't take anything else for granted. Don't take opportunity for granted. You know, take those chances and get out there and you never know what you're going to be able to accomplish. And I trust me when I tell you, you've if you haven't seen what I've accomplished yet, you have you're get ready. So that's what I'm going to say about that. But, you know, shout out to the Central Park Five. I'm glad everything worked out. You know, our president can blank, 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 blank. As a result, if you don't know what I'm talking about with that, do your research on what uh, Donald Trump's influence during the Central Park Five was and i'm just thinking again that could have been me that could have been me in some form or fashion and i I, you know just keep reaching for the stars people but again i digress um you know thank you all for listening to this podcast and supporting me and everything that i'm you know going for in here because at the end of the day i'm trying to learn to let go live life and love all things and hopefully we could all do it together but i digress people Now that I got that out of my chest, let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. folks so let's get on to some video game news because like i said e3 is this tuesday the 11th and that's when all video game hell is going to break loose shout out to matt papa he's down there for uh representing into creates out there as well and man it's going to be crazy because again no sony is going to be there we don't know what the hell they're going to do what they're planning whatnot i we don't know anything at this moment uh as far as it we don't i mean all we do know right now we don't know exactly what Nintendo's doing. We don't, oh, their showcase is ready. They already said what they're going to show and more. So I got a feeling there's going to be some big surprises for Nintendo. Xbox, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Xbox is going to be doing because they, this is their chance. All The only competition they truly have, trust me, the only competition they really truly have is Nintendo right now. Because it, in my opinion, it isn't this new video game experience that's coming very soon and that is the google stadia uh that is coming soon to a com a chromecast ultra near you and google did a early e3 presentation this week i don't know why they chose to do it before e3 came but they that's what they were doing it's and it is and not only that it was a video conference i like I, I do believe nintendo has really sparked some really inspirational things and one of them is doing the video showcase because they've been doing it for years and only them and now all of a sudden a lot of people are doing it now because they realize that you don't have to tell them everything or you don't have to show them everything or you know it it, it hides the other things that we can't tell them yet you know, without being, without any form of embarrassments over the year. And I, it's funny, I just um, posted something on my ACMG Facebook group from a YouTube clip that somebody edited and produced and put together well, very well, talking about the 15 most embarrassing moments in E3. And there has been some embarrassing moments, all consisting of the presentations that they have on on uh the e3 presentations because they're live they're on stage you got these these uncharismatic you know people 
on stage that are not really there to entertain they're there to try to enlighten you on their product but sometimes they try to be jokey and they try to be funny and they think they're fun they laugh at the party they're funny with their friends but in front of stage of a bunch of people it's not so easy so you know we got those people out there you know making you know that situation happen and then also there's some times when when you're doing an actual presentation of a video game or a product or you know a system it doesn't fare well so now all these people are doing video presentations i think i don't i can't speak for nintendo but it seems to always work and whenever they say they're going to do something it gets done and their products never really fail to to a high extent or if not at all um but actually that's not true because one of the 15 is in one of the 15 things embarrassing things was miyamoto doing something with the nintendo wii so that's not true but video presentations and that could have you know that could have been the uh the genesis of the uh nintendo directs and such like that but now it seems like everybody's jumping on a bandwagon of doing these presentations google now is the newest one you know playstation was the other one and we have google stadia which is a online streaming console that uses google chromecast ultra to allow you to play triple a games or major and other major titles without downloading or major hardware in storage needs now i said major hardware and i'll explain that in a minute the new streaming network will allow you to play on a google pixel phone ipads and tablets or your tv the reps from google claim that there will be no need for patches or installs as you will just need to register log in and play i will believe that when i absolutely see that when it's a group of like a hundred thousand people at the same time happening so that's their claim right there the stadia pro which comes out with a subscription and a google chromecast ultra uh with which actually plays in 4k and a game controller which is available for pre-order right now with the price of 129 before you even move to go on your online and research this, listen to what I got to say before you do. Do not be the uh, any, one of those pawn idiots that chumps the minute that you hear this. Just listen. It is said that you will be able to play some of the most popular games out now uh, and in the future, which including Assassin's Creed, Mortal Kombat 11, which they show video game footage, but... You know, with the game being out right now, that could have just been any game, video game footage. Who knows? Smoke and mirrors. Who knows? Um, Google also claims that if you don't have a strong bandwidth of over 35 uh, megabits per second, you will you can still be able to play in 1080 pixels if you have up to 20 megabits per second or more. Or, or I'm sorry, or more, and some uh, 720 uh, pixels if you have five to 10 megabits per second, which in theory sounds really great. It really does. That still doesn't mention bandwidth will allow full uh, 60 frames per second gameplay um, with hopefully no lag time. You know, I, they're talking 60 60 frames per second, but the lag time that's going to be an issue that's going to come down to it is the lag time uh, they, they they never in this video expressed anything about lag time so think about that for a second there of course will be a monthly fee of 9.99 
And there lies one of the situations that I'll be talking about. Uh, my take on this. This is clearly an untested to the masses experience. They experienced this for maybe one, two, maybe 20. I don't know. Maybe there was a beta for maybe like a hundred, a few hundred people. I don't know. Um, but to me, I feel like this is still untested. If this, if this really was tested, why do a video t- presentation and not a live presentation where people are actually on there right now? To me, that there's the smoke and mirrors effect to me. And that's where my critical thinking kicks in. If this thing is that damn great, why not? And I mean it. Why not just show us on live stream, on live uh, and on stage that this thing is legit and this works and people are actually playing it and there's no lag time. And there's, a, you know, it's very user friendly and, and the interface is really easy to uh, get into and the navigation is really good. Why aren't we seeing this live as it happened? Not from a video presentation. That to me, it, it, to me, the video presentation, it would, it, it, it smelt and, it, and I really felt like it was a sign of uncomfortable. Uh, Unconfidence and a lack of information that's not being said. That's what I get out of it. It's the same information. It's the same, you know, critical thinking that I have when I watch certain commercials and, and promotional ads. And that's just me because I am in promotion and I do understand the marketing aspects and some of the tricks that they are happening. So I am thinking of not a, not. I'm not always thinking when I watch a promotion like this, like the Stadia ad. I'm not just watching what they're showing us i'm asking what are they not showing us as well and when i see like samsung 10 mobile 10 stuff and they always say they always highlight what they have but and and then also try to you make shady remarks to like other phones like the iphone but they never talk about how they truly can compete with iphone in a sense of do you have the same capabilities plus that never comes up that absolutely never comes up when it comes to, um, you know, smartphones, you know, I, I, I never see iPhone ever compete with anybody else. I always see other phone. If you really realize and look at these commercials, they compete with iPhone. They never, they always say the additional things that they got, which is some cool features and stuff, but they never say how they, what, how really do they truly compete with iPhone on other things? You know, they just talk about the gimmicks that they have. So just think about that just really think about that in some cases too um so the new system is from a company you gotta gotta remember this too this system is actually from a company who gave us the google glass and if you guys remember or don't remember that was a that that device got what i call the zune award and if you don't know what the zune is it's probably because it's so far back did you remember microsoft came out with a product that was supposed to compete with the again was supposed to compete with um the at the time the ipod which was the music device that eventually became the iphone so or you know transitioned into the iphone and he gave us the best of all the worlds right there so that was their version trying and and actually if you guys watch guardians of the galaxy you'll recognize it from that because they make a joking reference to that on that show as well on that movie as well so but it never really came into popularity because of the fact that it just wasn't it did people just wasn't feeling it i don't know because of prices whatever i remember i had a friend uh 
named PJ, like he was so religious to this system. And I'm looking at the system like, dude, this is not going to last. And in fact, it didn't. And to this day, we have that just a little running joke about that as well. But I the, the Google Glass was the latest at the time that get that got the Zune Award. Uh, you know, the the for the product that will not most likely, you know, get over with their consumer base or the uh, target audience that they were looking for. I am thinking this may be one too, but the fact that this is an online only gameplay experience worries the hell out of me. And I've talked about this before. It always worries me when I uh, see games or anything that's just so online heavy. And that is only because we are not geared up to have fluidity. We After all these years, we still not uh, great with fluidity as far as when, uh, bandwidth and Wi-Fi. We still get a lot of lags in our in our gaming experiences now with the PlayStation and the Xboxes and all that stuff right now. If I go down a street with my phone, I lose Wi-Fi from a hotspot. So I don't understand why they keep saying that it is. And, and not every provider provides unlimited data so once you get off that hotspot, you're using your data and if you're gaming then you're eating up a ton of data still you know so that to me is like or if you're not using wi-fi at all for like say if you got an ipad with only wi-fi only and you start you know moving along or you're in a place that you're not able to do it or you're at a hotel or something which the wi-fi bandwidth it sucks you're done. You're not playing a game for the weekend. You're, you're done out. Like, hopefully you got a Nintendo Switch that requires online and offline capabilities. So that right there is, it, that's a trouble for me. That's a huge trouble for me. Um, we have yet to successfully do this. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. The target demograph for this guaranteed, and I, I hate to sound like this, but I am. I'm going to be real about it. The target demographic for this is the young, dumb, and trendy plain and simple and i tell you this because the minute that they announced this and i looked on twitter they were already pawns sheep that jumped right into this already registered for this already put in a 129 without proven testing anything now i'm telling you now if they did a live stream and a live on stage presentation of this and it messed up, guaranteed people would not be jumping on, the, jumping at the bits to get this. They would be more skeptical. But the fact that they did this video presentation and it, it, it has all the glitz and glamour and, and, and bright lights and colors and the graphics are going in, people jump right at it. That's what marketing does. That's what marketing and promotion does. That's what the art of marketing and promotion does. So... I love that part because it did get people. It got people, man. This is like people talk about the wrestling game as kayfabe and all this stuff, but man, they're only doing what everybody else was always doing, or at least everybody now is doing what wrestling's doing, and trying to find ways to jump at you to get at you. You know, it's it's kayfabe is not just based on wrestling; it's based on everything nowadays, man. It's all these companies, a lot. I don't want to say all these companies, but a lot of these companies, you know. It's just what it is, man. Uh, it, it's sad that they do that. Sometimes they go to these messages, but only I, there. It's not to say that everybody's scamming or whatever, but like that. But that's how some marketing things go. When you're able to afford to, you know, do things to market wise, and sometimes they don't, they don't have the quality product they're promising. It gets worse. Fire Festival, I. 
There you go. I stay corrected there. Not the Fighter Festival from AEW. I guarantee that's gonna be good. The fire, the original Fire Festival. Um, you know that tells you right there. You had a great advertisement. You had some of the hottest supermodels in the world, and then it turned to everything because they didn't have everything that they was capable for. People need, still didn't learn their lesson yet. <laughs> so, for instance, I mean. The, the price too. Let's go back to the price, and I talked about this before. Um, there is a $9.99 monthly fee involved in this, along with paying for a pre-order balance of $129 for the Chromecast Ultra and a controller. So, if you do the math, if you really do the math, if you add it all up for the next five years of this service, paying $9.99 for the next five years, and remember, I'm. As I'm saying this, remember how much you paid when the PlayStation and even the Xbox came out when they first came out. You're, when you add up the next five years, that's not including taxes either. Whatever they charge you for the taxes per month or whatever. So you pay this up for the next five years of service. Uh, you'll be paying over $600, which is more than what we're paying for the Xbox, which was at the introductory price of $499 back then. Remember that legendary uh, that legendary E3 year? Uh, and then the PlayStation 4, which then docked $100 down at their introductory price of $499 to play the same quality games as the cheaper consoles. You see what I'm saying? I mean, think about that. Process that. Really process that for a minute. And... It is still unknown whether you're going to be able to pay that, whether you're going to be able to play actual games within this streaming network, or you're actually going to be paying to own or have this game at your helm of these games. There's still that information has not been said in this presentation as well. You know, you could be doing like uh, PlayStation Now and playing games while at you know at in streaming for a month, or you could be owning, it. and that's not even including season passes and everything too they're not including any of that you could be paying season pass fees as well while still under this and that means it adds on more okay so think about that for me this is the reason why this is absolutely the reason why i always opted out of doing multi uh, multiplayer online games is because i'm not playing and paying on a monthly fee to pay play a game that i am no no I wound up paying more than an actual game, which is like 60 bucks. I never played Unreal Tournament. Uh, I never, well, Unreal Tournament at the time wasn't a uh, play game. Now, you could play that offline as well. But um, I never played any of those games. Like, I forgot some of those games, that those um, MMO games out there because with the monthly fees. Uh, DC Universe was a big one. I always wanted to play that game. And I know it became a freemium, but it was always just a lure for you to get more. And I just never wanted to fall into that trap. Um, I, I, freemium always means that you're going to pay and you're going to pay more. That's always what that means to me. And they, the monthly fee thing was just ridiculous. I'm like, dude, why are people why are people stupid enough to actually pay for those fees? You're, do you know how much you're paying out of your pocket? We had this discussion about like us, like most myself and other graphic designers out there and other designers out there we always had this debate about the adobe creative suite versus the adobe creative cloud because and there's a difference because the adobe creative suite it has both online and offline capabilities if adobe server goes down 
and you're in in a process of a, a productivity within your job office or whatever you're kind of asked out of any of that and not only that you don't own it you do not own it i have been using adobe creative suite 6 for as long as it's been out i have no trouble with it i'm using it for to record this podcast uh and produce this podcast i have no trouble with it i know there's new features out there but there and there are other alternatives out there as well uh shout out to a lot of people that have you know sent me information on that as well about the alter- the cheaper alternatives to adobe creative uh cloud thank god there's competition out there but in essence of this is like i'm not paying you're you're wanting to, i did the math on that too you end up paying more than it costs for the adobe creative suite which was like 2600 at the time you're paying more you're paying way more out of your pocket, you know? And it's like, do the laugh, do the freaking math, millennials. It's like, <laughs> you, you can't do everything because it's trendy. You have to think consciously and use critical thinking towards things. And this is this is here too. The the Stadia, you're paying, you know, 600 already just on a, nine, on a 9.99 monthly alone, over 600. And then that's not included, that's not adding to the 129 fee. So that's 700, over $730 over. That's that right there. So in essence, yes, you're paying more for than you would um, for this system that gives you the same experiences as the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox. You playing the same games. People don't think about that because they so quick to jump at the helm at the minute something trendy and cool sound comes at it. Use your damn head, people. It is also. It is. It just boggles me. Um, for those who, and, and this is a, it, this is another thing I, I got to bring up too. For those who think that this game is console free, it is not, you idiots. It is not console free. The fact that you need a Chromecast Ultra does, in fact, consider that a console. The Chromecast that you use to stream YouTube and Hulu and all these other things, I own it too. But as of right now, because of the Stadia, it is now a home entertainment gaming system that little thing is a console granted it is great the fact to know that you can play you are able to play these games with a high bandwidth on that system that's awesome but at the end of the day that it's not perfect it's not nearly perfect it's not perfect like let me tell you when a nintendo switch first uh premiered the switch and i and i saw this presentation this is a total opposite of what I saw in the city in a city um, stadia and and the total a contrast of emotions and feelings that I got out of this that I was more intrigued watching the Nintendo you know product there because everything every logistic of what they were talking about with that system and the schematics of the Nintendo switch made absolutely sense added to that they have years years of doing this and that's what also gained my trust to understand like this makes sense this looks like it absolutely is a winner i am looking forward to this this actually is going to work based on everything that i've seen nintendo do in the past based on their track record i trust this i can't trust the people who brought me google glass <laughs> you know and i know they they got some good um laptops and everything too but still that gaming is not something i, I love it whenever somebody who hasn't invested in gaming comes in and do gaming it never really works out as good as they want it to. And as much as people love the Xbox, they've been 
they've been running hard trying to make it to the first, make it the first place for years since they started, and it just hasn't happened. And then when the Xbox One came out, they that's what they really were uh, running for, uh, trying to run for first place. They were in third place, in fact, and now they may have a chance to be a second or first in this place, only because Sony's out. So I I die, man. I can't tell you. Um, all I got to say is when it comes to the consoles, no console means that you do not need any form of external hardware to play a game. You need the Chromecast Ultra in order to play it. So I just want to point that out to people. I just because I've heard it so many times and it's the most idiotic thing I could ever say. Like, dude, no, no. The Chromecast is the console. It's a compact version that you can put in your pocket now. But nevertheless, if you need that to play the game, yes, it is a console. Um, even your smart TV, if they start doing it that way too, console, pretty much. But you can't, I, I, at this point, you need the Chromecast Ultra, which links into your TV. So there you go. Uh, that's just it. You know what's funny about that? This is uh, history repeating itself too. I don't, if you, you're, if you remember this, you're old. I used to have Pong back in the day. Uh, no Radio Shack Pong machine. And our parents would have to put in the adapter in the back and that's the only way you're able to play it so this reminds me this is like history repeating itself so the chromecast is like the deal where you like put it from you play uhf you know vhf or uhf in the back the antennas but then you shift it to play pong so it that's i find that very funny that this is kind of the history repeating itself with that old thing again so um you know as i said there are those who will be gullible enough to jump um this without caution as Magneto says in X3, the last stand, uh, you know, in reference to this, our talk topic today, he says, and one of my favorite lines, one of the best lines, I think this is, to me, the line that Ian, um, Ian McKellen, who plays Magneto in X3, this line matches up to Raul Julia when he's uh, in Bison and he does the Tuesday line. This matches up. This is up there with it. And he goes in, holds Juggernaut and Pyro back and he, and, um, Miss uh, Melissa uh, Callisto back and says in chess we let the pawns go first and as you see all the other pawns go by you see the other people shooting uh, these that was like the cure I guess at people and they were you know all getting affected and stuck by these syringes and everything and then they put the camera back on Magneto he's like that's why the pawns go first this is kind of the same situation right now it's like the smart gamers, the smart gaming community is going to hold back. We're going to watch the gullible community go forward. There you go. You got Google over there ready to shoot this product over there to them. And it's possible that it may affect them in the wrong way. But we're going to let the pawns go first and see what happens from there. So that is what I got from there. But in my opinion, I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. This could all work out in some case. I still would question the math of the pricing of this thing but from a quality functionality standpoint i believe that this has the ability to get to be the next recipient or uh, recipient of the zune award and that is my opinion i'm sticking to it i could be wrong and i've always i've been wrong before but let's see as long as this won't allow offline capabilities i will not be investing in this at all i've there are other people online who also spoke the same thing and uh, there are a lot of other people who are really um you know skeptical about this uh i will i will still hang with nintendo playstation where you are able to play games offline 
and online. You know, I'd rather play my, my PS Vita than play this game. Which has, which is supposed to be having um, more, a better quality graphic games, and so I, no, I, I can't do it. And if you want a real online, offline experience, there's the Switch, which allows you to literally take it on a road without any relying on Wi-Fi, if need be. So that is my rant with Stadia. With Stadia, we will see more of this and what's going to happen down the line. Uh, in the fall because i think that's when it's coming out that's when it's going to be alive but i am i got a bad feeling about this i got a very bad feeling about this system so we'll see and the fact and again the fact that they did a video presentation instead of a live presentation where we could see this work it, it doesn't give me confidence at all if you're a new company that isn't getting that's investing into the world of the video game industry you need to show yourself up front face. That's just my opinion on that. But I believe that you gain more trust by being on stage and showing people that this is a product you need to invest on and why. Not a video presentation. I think I thought honestly, I think that's a bad move for them. Cause now you got people that are spending this registration fee to get this and we'll see. And then even still, even if it does work, you're still paying more than you're paying to get these other consoles. So I don't know. I, I really, I doubt it. And if they do, anybody announces a new console, what else can you do at this point, at this stage that you haven't done yet graphically? I, I, I think this is the tipping point of graphics. Like what, where can you, what can you absolutely do at this point? You know, it, it boggles me. I, I just, I, I just can't see it. I, I feel like we're really at the tipping point of this whole thing. So Hey, what can I say? We will see. We will see. So other news. Let's move on to some sad news in the world of comic book TV. I just did a review on this last week. Swamp Thing. We did the first episode pilot. I loved what they did. I loved the direction that they were going. It was different from all the Berlant, um, Greg Berlanti, you know, uh, CW style direction, which I did love. And, you know, it was just a radio R horror uh feel to it which i thought it was okay a lot of people gave it great praise a lot of people praised it outside apparently it's not the case with the studios uh and therefore the first season is already canceled they already announced it they actually not only announced it they called the entire cast and let them know and informed them that they would not be doing a second season this is borderline insane i don't know if this is some type of pr stunt or whatever but this is the dumbest thing that they did since Constantine. And Constantine was on live TV. That's one thing. That was on, that was on C, what, NBC at the time? And it was on a late night at Friday or someone they air where nobody actually is doing it because most people are going out or doing something else. So it was doomed to fail in the first place. But now, now they actually have this on their own network. On their own network. And they which it got like i said which it got high praise and they actually canceled swamp thing now this canceled but it doesn't mean that you still can't see episodes the first season is still up and available but here's what i've got here's the notes that i have based upon what i've researched here and according to an article on geek worldwide geeks worldwide actually um who actually spoke with 
I believe DC Universe. Um, the decision seemingly boils down to Warner Media and AT&T executives not liking the direction of the show, not uh, the budget or performances on DC Universe uh, or the DC Universe app, because a lot of people were speculating it was a money issue, and apparently that's not the case. So they confirmed that. Uh, but they do like this. They like the DC Universe app. They have the money to do so they like the performances they just didn't like the gritty hard direction that it was going to which i don't understand it i it's it's creepy i love it it's a different feel now how it's gonna i i don't know how it would have i i think it would have easily been able to cross over to um the titans or the other ones because they're kind of like i mean blonte did those versions too they did um i think he did work on doom patrol at one point and he worked on titans definitely but they do have their own type of grittiness as well that i think will work really great with that i don't understand and apparently uh the cast have been notified sadly despite the cancellation of uh, the remaining 10 episodes will be up uh sources do say that the executives may have also wanted the show to have that great berlanti cw style feeling much like the other ones but i i i don't honestly i really don't understand it i feel like it's going to be a great episode they had a great cast in there um i really love what they were the direction they were going but this is a reason why people have a hard time really putting faith in d and i really feel bad for dc comic fans i really feel bad for dc comic fans because especially if they're only dc comic fans and they look over to marvel and seeing how well they've done for so many years even in their weakest even in their weakest one i mean like i can get in humans getting canceled in the first season and that, a lot of that i think stems from their gimmick of trying to put it on imax and all the stuff and not giving it the imax movie quality which for some reason some stupid reason everybody was um, expecting but i don't understand as to why this was the, but then again these are the same people who cancel out i mean Constantine got canceled and then all of a sudden there was an outcry for um for that and then all of a sudden he ends up being and you know um Legends of Tomorrow he ends up getting his own animation so it goes to show it's like the decision making within DC and Warner Brothers sometime when it comes to DC you know their their licenses and everything and, and what the direction that they go it, it's just amazing but this is the reason why it's just so convoluted at times i feel like this is like wwe right now and all the things that they're doing it's like why are they doing this why do they need to do this you know then you look at marvel it's like marvel is doing phenomenal even at their weakest it's still stronger than what dc has done so oh and, and, and I, I gotta point out too it's not dc the cw shows those are awesome Th those are awesome and that's mostly because they're doing everything that marvel studios is doing as far as storytelling and direction and, and, and universe connecting and narrative connecting stuff like that i'm referring to dc films and such like that um I, and you got to throw in constantine too but this is another one it's just it's utterly amazing can't understand why they did it but it, it's done so if you have the if you were expecting or hoping to see this in the on the cw app unfortunately you will not they still have the 10 episodes and i heard it was supposed to be 13 episodes but they stopped at 10 which means there may be some sort of a freaking cliffhanger to this which is going to be even more irritating after seeing this so there you have it right there ah uh, sorry dc fans sorry moving on to marvel 
side of the things. Jessica Jones has just released his final trailer to the final se- um, season of the Marvel Netflix series, which will premiere this Friday on June 14th. I am ready for this. Um, as far as how good this series has been, it went from really good to okay. So I'm really trying to see what they're doing with this now because I think just like I said about Cloak and Dagger, which missing, it's a good show, but it could be a great show if they have a great antagonist. Daredevil would not be nowhere near as good if they did not have Wilson Fisk, bar none. Punisher would not be good if they didn't have Jigsaw. What else? Luke Cage would not have been good if not Mahershala Ali been Cottonmouth. Plain, and I and nothing taken away from Diamondback. Diamondback was cool, but the whole switcheroo thing was crazy. Like I think they could have stayed with the entire Mahershala Ali thing, and Cottonmouth was just Cottonmouth was like the new Nino Brown to to a lot of people, especially a lot of people in the community. That the Cottonmouth was ridiculously no joke in here, and for him to be to get his ass whipped by uh, Mariah was crazy, but it actually worked out better than everybody expected regardless and the second season was really great too so um here we had with jessica jones we had purple man you know uh, Kilgrave, which was awesome i he hell of a performance uh from that one and next season it was it got a little weird it was focusing on her mother which was a okay that's a thing and then also some other elements it kind of just went into a weird place but it wasn't bad it just wasn't as good as the first season so now we got the final season and who is their new villain for this season as far as we know it is none other than the character called foot killer if you are a fan of marvel and don't know that name or if you're not a fan of marvel don't know that name that's okay because he's not really a big character he is kind of a bit character in the in the universe like if you put him like foot killer like first of all his name is foot killer for god's sake at least they they don't use that name and they use his actual role name which i forgot but it is the character foot killer who which more he's more well known for appearing in the comic series as one of Deadpool's mercs for hire uh and if you watch that which is actually a freaking comedy if i'm correct it's a comedy comic book but and and when he's not hanging around Deadpool he actually is supposed to be a serious sort of assassin so to speak and and here he is stalking Jessica and, and her family and friends claiming that she is not the hero that uh she wants to be and expected to be and uh he is going out of his way to get rid of her and at any cost and that's that's what it comes off as the premise of the story and the trailer here um the series also sees um what else is this on my notes here the series will also follow up with uh to what happened with trish uh walker because if you remember the last episode of the season she's gained powers and agility so of, of some sort almost like a super soldier like uh, ability so gonna be interesting to see how she's coming out because in the comics she is a uh comic book i mean here uh, she is a superhero herself or a hero herself to some extent a street level so we're gonna see what's going on with that and how will this end how will we see this end because this is the final series before they really before netflix invests into the world of dark horse comics which uh we talked about this a while back they this is 
partly possibly the reason why they have actually gone into watching uh, and stopped investing in Marvel comic series, which I don't understand. But, you know, if you watch the Umbrella Academy, you know, they might have some legs to stand on because that series is absolutely fantastic. So they're going to be investing in other Marvel, I mean, Dark Horse comics, you know, series as well. So my biggest thing is, will we get a chance to see any of the other defenders um you know daredevil matt murdoch um you know luke cage danny Rand. will we get to see any of those guys will there be a close to all this we will see i got a feeling we won't but it'll be really cool if they could i would love for them to close some storylines as to what the hell happened to them because they left us in a big cliffhanger with all that even if they even mentioned them in some cases i wish luke cage would have been the actual antagonist because it looked like he was going down a wrong path with uh with the way it ended and i would love to see jessica would have been able to um beat some senses into him we get this big fight scene with those two and there were a bigger threat out there i would have loved for that to happen but we're getting this other one so we'll see what's going to happen there and i'll be watching i'll probably I'll most likely review that next week as well so we'll see and uh let me see in our notes here is this last one yep this is the last one our last notes for this segment we get our first look at gail gadot as wonder woman in the golden eagle armor from the world as war series in dc comics um so a people a lot of people liked it a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen in this one and uh comic book fans should be happy to see that armor i know there's a lot of fandom for that series me although it looks great i can't help but to think it looks an awful lot if you're an anime fan you're gonna get this an awful lot like the golden cloth armor worn in the anime series saint Seiya, which may have been worn which uh which the armor and uh which is the armor that i believe was debuted way before the dc comics uh concept of this of wonder woman's armor came up i'm wondering if there's any influence of the anime from that it, it just if you we compared and contrast the new armor and the comic book armor and then i also we also placed it up the uh saint Seiya armor they look virtually the same there's no i mean it looks uncanny like the saint Seiya armor so i don't know what's the deal with that but it's happening it's coming and we'll see what's going to happen i actually think it's going to be good i i uh, believe uh cheetah's going to be here and i love the first movie i'm looking forward to the second movie i hope they do it really well and um, i'm i'm hyped for it and it's based on 1984 so very interested in seeing what they are going to do for that time era so folks that will do it for this segment of what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and review the final movie to the x saga the final movie to the fox studios era and that is dark phoenix we'll do that right after this Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. 
TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Tom Gibbis, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of X-Men Dark Phoenix, the final installment to the X-Saga of Fox Studios and the possibly, I believe, the final Fox Studios movie before they actually totally acquire by Disney, EA, Marvel, and we see a whole new different world from the Fantastic Four and X-Men franchise. I am looking so forward to this and how they're going to implement them in, but before we do that, we got to talk about this last movie. How well was it? And we're going to do that. Before I do that, actually, I forgot to mention this in our last segment, and I should have, actually. For those of you who watch new episodes of Dragon Ball Super on Toonami, I noticed something... uh, yesterday i didn't see the episode last week but i noticed it today uh and some of you may already know I, i'm totally new to this because i didn't see last week's episode until the replay on 8 at 8 30 last night eastern standard time and there was a obvious instant slowdown in the animation and frames rate and such here and i was like i was totally certain because i've watched the original episodes when it aired uh in japan via funimation now as uh you're doing a simulcast and I remember some of those fights being epic as hell and fast paced and all the stuff and all of a sudden I'm watching it here and some of the frame rates but in particular the fight between Goku and uh Kalifla uh, and I was baffled at this I'm like wait I know there was an actual speedy epic fight between us and all of a sudden it's just taken out so I went on Twitter asked Funimation tagged them and you know tagged almost anybody who can listen um shout out to Jeremy the one or uh at Prof- uh, Professor Bro who nicely reached out to me and uh and re uh, and actually uh retweeted a post that showed the uh from from the actual head Jason DeMarco who's the head of Toonami and he wrote to, he noticed and he mentioned that uh there's an update in the showdown between the action scenes there and basically focused on the time when Pokemon had their fight scenes. And remember, they stepped up their game with their animation. But the fight scenes uh, begin to create, uh, you know, epilep- uh, epileptic, uh, ep- I'm sorry, epilepsy and epileptic uh, episodes. Try to say that five times fast. And basically you know triggered seizures in people who are affected and i kind of knew that that's where it was going to happen so if you guys didn't were wondering my like myself what was going on here um that's what toonami is doing i at one point thought that it was going to be them just toning down or tinting down the actual because i thought it was lights that flash i and i please i am far from educated on how that and i probably should be a little bit more well educated to understanding the situations of that in case i have a friend or family that may be today or any of us you know you never know you know somebody in the street that may happen to somebody but 
they decided to take that down a bit. Now, I don't know if that's going to also affect the uncut versions on Funimation now when they upload those episodes in, but I'm actually hoping that if for that sake, they're going to do different versions because I actually love what they did with the fight scenes in there. And I'm thinking about the Goku versus Jiren episode. And I'm like, I really hope that they don't tone it down to the point because those episodes were epic and I want to see them as air. So hopefully the uncut versions will be remain, you know, the, the, I mean, the, the uncut versions in Dragon Ball, the, in Funimation now are all intact. So I'm hoping that that means that truthfully that other ones will be too. So we'll see. But for Toonami, they're looking out for people and I, I commend them on it. I'm, I'm really happy that they're doing that because they want to make sure everybody enjoys it, but also be safe as well. So I digress. Let's get on to the review of Dark Phoenix, people. This movie, based on one of the greatest sagas in comic book history and Marvel history, was attempted twice. Actually, if you want to count way more times because they did the cartoon versions or whatever too, the 90s X-Men cartoon, which I think was probably the most successful of the three that has attempted to do it. Um, but they tried to do it again. Remember, X3, The Last Stand, came out. Brett Ratner just screwed it all up. Just screwed it all up. Brian Singer couldn't do it because of his commitments with Superman Returns, which turned out to be him returning after the events of that one and because that didn't live up to the hype of everybody who everybody wanted to see and we got x3 the last stand which in many opinion screwed up the whole entire uh you know franchise and it did it really did to be honest um there's no debate about that it really screwed up it, it, it put a really bad imprint in people's mind of what they think it it happens all the time whenever something the momentum of something gets you know gapped by something really bad uh i give you a big example fantastic four rise of the silver surfer everybody loved that movie until the very end when galactus actually was not visible you know he was not visible he was a cloud and people were not happy with that after all after the movie was really fun entertaining and then it just happened right there. So um, people did not like that. Thank God they learned a lesson. And, you know, especially for movies like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where they had e- um, Ego and they actually showed Ego. And then you had Doctor Strange, where they had Dormammu and you actually got to see Dormammu. So very happy that they learned a lesson from there. But um, yeah, man, that, that didn't work with people. You know, uh, Iron Man 3 was another one. Didn't live up because when a Mandarin came, they didn't happen. So x3 another one x3 came in it burned a lot of bridges for fans and it didn't live up to expectations to what we wanted to see we wanted to see the brian singer version of what was going to happen because that was angling to be something really epic and i think everybody would have loved that but it never came to fruition and it actually still didn't because now we got dark phoenix which was not done by him and we got this which i am in the middle with right now i didn't come in I came in to this to the theater with low expectations. I just wanted to see how I would end. I wasn't expecting it to be good. Probably more was expecting it to be bad. Um, I came out of there in the middle, and I'll explain why. I'll explain why to this. And but let's get into some details of this. Let's talk about the story here. This story 
takes place after the events of Apocalypse, which everybody loved, of course, quote unquote, um, which results in this in society accepting and willing to coexist with mutants the way Charles Xavier always wanted. Uh, Charles Xavier was also granted the access to the president uh, of the United States when handling major problems that persist uh, in the in the pre- in which the president would need the X Men to encounter for situations that threatens the country. He even has his own phone with the next in here. Like it was literally like a bat phone. It was hilarious. Um, so they, that that happened, and from there, when an incident involving astronauts being stuck in a spaceship called the Endeavor due to a cosmic anomaly, the president, who strangely looks like Nixon, asked uh, the help of X Men, and strangely looked like uh, looks like Nixon, even though it was 1990. It was weird. Uh, he asked for the help of the X Men to save. Uh, them from the cosmic anomaly that's coming towards them uh you know the endeavor of the ship but you know that was one thing so charles sent the very skeptical team and all of them were not happy about going there they you know hank felt that the ship wasn't he even though he redesigned it and added some upgrades to be able to travel farther he was skeptical about it you know, he was very skeptical about it. Um, going into space, um, Mystique was very skeptical about it, you know. and But they went anyway. They trusted each other to try to get it, to make it happen. So they, the skeptical team went into space and this very risky mission, only for things to go completely wrong, as you would expect, as Jean Grey is hit with the cosmic force, which actually inhabits her body. Although Jean somehow survives, she does not do so flawlessly as she discovers a new form of power that will eventually become a curse more than a gift. The movie also revisits a similar storyline that uh, took place in X3, The Last Stand, where Charles adopted Jean to help her control her telepathic ability and telekinetic ability as well. Uh, he does so by suppressing and uh, suppressing all of the traumatizing memories that she had as a child where she couldn't control her powers, which led to her killing her mother. So, I mean, they are still kind of basing it on the original series, but it's a rewritten version of it. So you got to remember that, that they're doing that, which I also thought that was kind of really interesting why they wrote it that way anyway, because of the comic and everything. And I do remember you got, we all got to realize this is a different universe. This is a cinematic universe of the X-Men genre as opposed to the actual comic book universe. So they can take a bit of liberty, but sometimes I believe some take a little bit too much in this case. So uh, this all leads to the uh, Phoenix Force becoming too strong for Gene, which unlocks psychic uh, the psychic lock of memories that Charles created and within her mind to hide away all of those bad memories. In other, in, in the other um, half of the story, we also have an alien race that is searching for Jean Grey in order to cipher her newfound power as they plan to use it to control the entire universe. So, that's what's going on here. Sounds pretty simple and sweet. It is. It is for what it's worth. Um, if you're a fan of this comic book series... I can understand why you would be mad at this. You have every right to be mad at what they, how did they put this together? Because you want to see certain things in there. I'm an X-Men fan myself, so part of me would like to see it, but the other part of me is understanding of how they do things. 
as well. But if it was up to me, there were some elements of the comic book that I would love to have been able to do in here, but this is the reason why, in my opinion, of why this probably happened. This movie had the very hard task of trying to cram over a dozen issues, maybe about like 18 issues of the Dark of the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga into a two-hour movie, a two-hour two or more movie. This means they had to cut out a lot of instrumental parts of the Source comic in order to uh, come up with a story that is loosely based on the events of the book. So that I understand. Um, although it basically, although it is like, I do understand it, that anything that happens in a cinematic universe is considered its own. There are a lot of opportunities from this film that I felt like they could have taken advantage of and had they been able to possibly even create an expanded storyline that it, that expanded from first class on. Like, this could have happened even way back from that point. And they didn't at the time. Because I think the first class didn't even consist of the first class. It consisted of, like, Havoc and a whole bunch of other guys when they should have been Scott and all them. So they didn't have enough time to even branch this out because of that. And at the time, they probably didn't know or realize that it was that Fox was going to end. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But what I do know is that they could have done the, the first class should have been the first class. It should have been Scott. It should have been Gene. It should have been Beast. It should have been uh, Bobby, but it wasn't. And that, and because it wasn't Bobby, because Bobby wound up coming in way later. I mean, this is when you look at it. When you look at the at the landscape and at you know the the actual configuration of how they put the entire series together since day one, since Brian Singer did it. They honestly really did put themselves in a predicament where it became very convoluted. Like this whole entire storyline is convoluted, even though we all enjoy a lot of us. Majority of us enjoyed Days of Future Past when he tried to rewrite everything. It felt like they went right back into becoming convoluted again in some cases. And it's just it is so bad. Stuff like this is what uh, makes Marvel Studios look so great in the way that they put together the Avengers initiative since day one. Uh, which eventually gave us a slow burn to, you know, movies, to epic movies and climatic, you know, scenes like Endgame and, and Affinity Wars. Like, you got 11 years of consistency, absolute consistency, not only just consistency from the movies, but the consistency, and still consistency from this day, from the movies, from the TV shows, uh, from the Netflix series, still consistency all around. Then you have Fox. That, and remember, Fox was at a time where they didn't think about doing stuff like this. Or they, there was a lot of times where people didn't think that anything like this. Or they probably did think about it, but they weren't willing to attempt to do it. Well, John Favreau did it. And Marvel Studios did it. And Kevin Feige did it. And they kept it going. And it became a bigger thing. It was, it was the proverbial snowball effect. And that's exactly what happened. The Dark Phoenix Saga deserves to have been told in the same fashion as one of Marvel's biggest stories ever. I mean, like, this is the biggest story. Like, before the Infinity Gauntlet, the, the Dark Phoenix Saga was, in fact, probably one of the biggest stories in Marvel. And the fact that they were going to do that, they were doing, they were going to attempt this before Marvel Studios even thought about attempting to do the Infinity Gauntlet. And this was going to be 
that big. It was going to be as big as seeing Thanos with the Infinity Gems. It should have been that big, and it wasn't treated that way. And while it wasn't nearly as bad as Brett Ratner's X3, The Last Stand, it was an improvement in a sense that the right people stayed alive this time. Although there was uh, a bit of a tease when uh, Professor X and Cyclops... uh, you know, death scenes. They were there were scenes in the movie where they were attempting to look like that they were gonna like Phoenix was gonna kill him off, and they didn't. And I knew that was a nod to anybody. I, almost, I wouldn't say a nod. That was a, like a trolling point for anybody who watched X three and was like, "Why did he kill Scott and why did he kill you know Charles?" So I do believe that was a kind of a trolling nod to that, if you will, uh, and. I think they were just waiting or wanting his people to have an uproar if they killed him off again. Actually, I would have been one of those people. Killing Cyclops, to me, it, actually, both of them, in a sense. Killing both of them was just wrong, but it was just, it, it made no sense. To that, I think that, you know, that was a plus. Because that should have never happened in the first place. Loosely based or not. So, that's right there. The other thing, uh, too, is that the fact that they already have previous movies that the Hellfires Club was involved in, and which was a huge pivotal, um, you know, role in the Dark Phoenix saga. Remember, the Hellfires Club was in the first class movie. Honestly, that should have been even more of a reason why this all should have happened. If they would have made the first class the original X-Men with Cyclops and Jean Grey and Beast and Iceman in there, and, 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 uh, and Angel... And then later on, got more people in there from like the, maybe the second movie, not added Apocalypse in there. And then added, you know, slow build to the Dark Phoenix saga where you would have Mastermind or whatever in there along with the group in the inner circle or whatever. That would have been awesome. That would have been absolutely awesome uh, because it was that would, the Hellfires Club. If you've read the book, the Hellfires Club that you saw in the movie should have been the main point of why Dark Phoenix had become. I mean, like, that was a really big point of that saga where Mastermind manipulated Jean Grey into thinking that, you know, she was in another time era and that the X-Men were somebody else. And I mean, just the whole thing. And And it led to her being raging out to become the Dark Phoenix. And because they didn't do it, it kind of left this movie a bit hollow in the direction that they were going. I was hoping to see Mastermind in this. I was really hoping to see Mastermind. I thought the the female uh, character in here by Jessica Justine was going to be her. And it wasn't. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was hoping that that would happen. But instead, they replaced Mastermind or the kind of the role of mastermind and the manipulating to Charles Xavier being the one who to manipulate her mind with the result of her losing control and her power and uh, sanity so that was which they did in the second one uh, and if in the first attempt of this Dark Phoenix saga but again it just to me I it didn't have to do it and it also made it made Charles very uncharacteristic from what we know or should be in a sense like i know he's not supposed he's not the all end all be all all right but even still um also the phoenix force itself wasn't really a living sentient being a cosmic being um that needed a vessel in the movie as much as it was just an uninhabited amount of cosmic energy 
that needed the right host to uh, the could, that could possibly contain it, and that was Jean Grey. So, again, that is a something different here because the in the comics, the Phoenix Force is actually kind of a another being that's kind of controlling her the body and the sense of the person. If you guys remember, um, it happened to Scott as well in a Phoenix Force Five in X Men versus uh, Avengers. What a really good story. Not the best art, but a really good story. Um, and there, and I'm a 90s guy, so that's why I'm saying not the best art. I, I, I was in the era of Jim Lee and Tom McFarlane and all that stuff. So, um, But nonetheless, I, lo- I one of my favorite, you know, stories. I've read that, that book so many times. And, you know, again, it, it, it inhabited, you know, Scott and the rest of the guys. And it took over, really pretty much took over. Along with that, you know, having no Hellfires Club being a part of this movie, there was no appearance of the Shire Empire. So you not only did you have not have the Hellfires Club, you didn't have the Shire Empire, which again was a big, big, big part of the Dark Phoenix saga. And for it, it for them to have the Shire Empire, it would again it would have had to be been some expansion. So they would have had to do like maybe three to four different movies before it got to the point of the Shire Empire coming in, because it also acquired it also included the love connection between scott and shire empress lalandra which was one of my favorite storytelling moments in the x-men series was the relationship between charles and lalandra i love that 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 was one of my favorite you know couples next to um peter and mary jane and remy and um and rogue remy lebeau and rogue i that was my three favorite type of power couples in marvel and the fact that we never got to experience that, at least this, the Fox version of this, we didn't get a chance to experience this. Don't know what's going to happen when when uh, Marvel Studios get their hands on it, but we'll see. But I, I know that's, I God, I got to believe that when they get it, it's going to be, and, it, and if they even remotely put the X-Men out, they got to redo this whole thing again. But I think it'll be done right. The third's a charm, guaranteed. Um but in order to do this, like they need to expand it all the movies because you need to, that type of storytelling to lead up to why they're together, why they need to take out the Dark Phoenix and why she's such a big threat. Although the Shire did not appear in this movie, there was the appearance of the of the Bari uh, race, which is a race that does appear in the original comics, but not really as a like they were there, but they weren't really there. Like the Shire Empire was the bigger not- uh, noticeable thing. The only reason why the Dabari race was there was because in the comics, the Phoenix took out their son and really pretty much destroyed their uh, ability to live. And they destroyed the planet for that matter. So she took out the sun to absorb the sun within her uh, and pretty much destroyed their, their habitation, if you will. So they had to, you know, find a way to, you know, go elsewhere. For some reason, this version of the saga... The Dabari is a shape-shifting race, much like the scrolls you saw or you read in the comic books and much like that you saw on Captain Marvel. I don't know what led to that decision or why they did that. That makes no sense, but it is what it is. However, in the comics, the Dabari race are a humanoid plant-based uh, species with no real abilities to morph into or you know turn into anything. They're basically technologically advanced, which they also they would use the devices that they would weaponize to defeat their enemies. You know, that's basically what they do. So, um, the Dabari leader, Volk, 
which also is in the comics as well. Play this is the one played by Jessica uh, Jessica Chastain. Originally, a male character is taking over the female character because again, she morphs in, uh, the being morphs to a female. So we don't really know if the alien before she before he took over turn was a male or female in the first place. Uh, so Jessica Chastain played this role. Is also kind of a masterminders type of character because she. She doesn't have this ability. All she does basically is juice up Jean into thinking that everybody's uh, that everybody's avoiding her in her life. So that's pretty much it. And that like she's abandoned by everybody. That's the basic story premise of why she uh, why Jean is so angry with everybody, especially when uh, Charles actually uh, hides that truth of her father still being alive. So um, it's it's crazy. So she along the way, you know, Jean actually. You know, she it feels like she's being abandoned by Charles, the X-Men, even Magneto uh, in his own compound, which they never really said whether that was supposed to be Genosha or whatever like that or whatever compound that he does. But Magneto, who uh, was never really anywhere near the original saga, if I'm correct, was in here as well, uh, just because it was Michael Fassbender. You know, I, this is one of the things that pissed me off. They, they always do. And I, I like Michael Fassbender. I love his portrayal as Magneto, but it just... Sometimes, you, you know, you can't do a story just for the simple fact you want big stars in it. You just it, it's better to tell a story and make big stars out of the story. That's just the way I see it. Um, there is a scene where Jean revisits her home, though. And this uh, where she grew up. And that was to see her father, who was mentally blocked out of her mind um, when when she thought she was dead. This, however, was in the comics. But the difference is for this is that. In, in the comics version, the mom and dad is alive. Like, she never had any type of accident where she killed off her mom. And that was really the situation there from that point. So, that's the, the contrast and comparisons of the comic book, basically, from this point. So, my positives and negatives for this is... This is where things going to come in the middle. The positives for this... And there are some... I guess there are some positives to it at the end of the day. The only true positive for this movie for me is that it, this was better than x3 the last stand that's pretty much it uh for what it was it was okay i came out of there like it, it at best is watchable you know not something i was really excited about coming out like i would infinity wars or you know in game did not have that emotional attachment to it at all uh the characters didn't blow me away but again they weren't bad in a sense that I didn't like their personality or dialogues. So they were good. They weren't great. They, this is one of those things. It's like great actors, maybe not great writing or something like that. Just it, they're, it didn't grab me completely, but it wasn't totally bad. Um, they were believable enough to tolerate, but you know, then I can, I enjoyed it enough. It, it, it really, it just really didn't do anything for me at, at best. Um, I can tell you this though. Did any of you realize that there was no Mr. Sinister in this movie? Not only that, did you remember when at the end of Apocalypse that they had this little thing hinting and teasing that there were going to be an appearance by Mr. Sinister in the next movie? That they were going to do something totally different? And it's never happened. There's your cliffhanger right there. And Scott and, uh, and, and, and Charles didn't die? But I believe the right person did in this case. And I sound bad saying this, but the last two movies of the recent X-Men series, they kept making Jennifer Lawrence Mystique character. Not only 
the protagonist character in the series, which was totally, absolutely like, what the hell? She was also marketed as like, and written like the main character, like the leader, like the, you know, the focus point. This was the Hugh Jackman and Holly Berry situation all over again. This is exactly what they were doing. So and in a sense, when they killed her off, to me, it was like, yes, now you can give more focus to all the other X-Men because that's what it, the way it should have been. She should have never been a, a good guy in the first place. Like, it's mystique. She was always, what made her so great was how conniving and sneaky she was. That's why I love that character. This version, I'm like, mutant and proud, my ass. No, this is not the, <laughs> the mystique I want to see. I love Jennifer Lawrence. Even in portrayal of this mystique, she was still awesome. But it's just a fact, it has nothing to do with her. It has more to do with the direction of the character. Plain and simple. Um, this was exactly the same problem, I mean, that they had. And this, I think, was part of the reason why things started leaping. I don't, it's like they never really learned their lesson. They did the same thing. Um, it, 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 it allowed everybody... To, with her gone, it just allowed me to be able to focus on Storm. It allowed me to focus on Scott. It allowed me to focus on um, everything that was going on with Beast and Magneto and stuff like that. So I, I thought that actually helped out. And I love that part. And to her credit, glad that she still stuck on for the whole entire thing. So for that. Uh, the fight scenes were actually probably the best battles that I've seen in any of the X movies. I got to give them that credit. I absolutely did like the fight scenes in here. I thought they were really they were really good it's not the best thing i've seen like if i can i'm not saying it's like the it's like civil war or it's Endgame or it's infinity war i'm not saying that or any of those those um, marvel fights hell it's not even daredevil in the hallway fight scene good i'm just saying for the x-men this is the best fight scene that i've seen outside of you know in the x series you know and that's not counting the Wolverine uh, movies as well. There were some good ones there. But I thought this one as like an X-Men movie. Actually, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, really weird part of that, though, was seeing Nightcrawler go into Wolverine's Berserker Age, which was weird, but I I, I was with it. Oh, it worked for me. So my only negatives for this is that basically because of the lack of, um, of the fleshed out storyline that if planned and written properly could have been a much much better movie if they if they uh if they were able to do it but unfortunately it felt very condensed it felt very very condensed in fact the movie itself felt like if you watch this movie and you probably didn't think about this it really felt like everything happened in the course of a few days it's uh, you know as opposed to a span of a few weeks or a month and i think that's where the writing kind of messed up at because once she got the powers it was like they went to a went and have a party. She went drinking. She went away. Then she went over to her father's house. And then from there, that happened. And then they took him away. And then they went to a train. And then the Tabari started chasing after her. And Charles, within all this time, got her back into perspective. And then she got back into perspective. And then her and Volk actually got into a fight. And then she took him away. That all felt like it just happened in the course of maybe three days. Of, of, of everything that has happened. That's what it felt like it happened to me. So it I, maybe I need to watch it again to make sure, but I swear to goodness, it didn't feel like this was the next day. This was the months later. They didn't even point out. Like, like think about it. On Endgame, when they chopped off Thanos' Thanos's head, when Thor chopped off Thanos' head and it was supposed to be all said and done, they went like, what, six, what, five, six years later? 
And it felt like five, six years later. It felt like you saw a hair change. You saw uh, you saw some differences in everybody. Um, what was it? What was it? Uh, everybody would change. Like Thor changed after five years. He got fat. Everything happened, man. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Hawkeye got like... Um, you know, he got a mohawk or fauxhawk or something like all you saw five years change within that movie here. It was like, yo, this just happened the other day. We came out of space and all of a sudden she got powers and all of a sudden she's not in. She's no longer with us. It happens so fast. So that was one of those situations for me. I, I wish they were at least and this has nothing to do with expanded storyline. They could have at least said three months later, four months later, she's developing this situation or at least God, something all that happened in three days or at least it felt like it <laughs> it really felt like or even maybe less than that so um while I, I and here's another negative unfortunately why i am a huge fan of james mcgavy as xavier he's done phenomenal since the beginning and he has a fantastic acting ability acting ability especially when it comes to doing uh split Whew, does he blow it up he killed it in that movie he i mean he absolutely killed it but I wasn't too fond of his portrayal of uh, of Charles Xavier in this one because it felt like he never learned his lesson from being humble, the humble-minded, well-aware professor that we all know and supposed to respect and love. Instead, he once again he's once again vilified as almost like like the mastermind of this whole thing. And for trying to make good on things by, you know, making some bad moral decisions. And they argue that in the movie about how he's sending out the X-Men. He's pimping out the X-Men for his own militia, for his own ego. You know, instead of, like, actually just trying to show peace. And they questioned that. And to me, it was like, oh, man, why are they doing this? Like, well, I grew up with Charles Xavier being the Martin Luther King character. And he was written by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby to to be the Martin Luther King character. So I'm not saying Martin Luther King was an all angel because I there's always some scandal and everything that's going on in everybody and there's always speculations of everybody but not in the sense of like he is supposed to be the guy everybody looks up to. Not the guy that you know we have doubts about. You know, leave that for another character. Charles Xavier, to me, should be the inspiration of peace, of coexistence. And now they're trying to fill in this little, they're trying to add a little bit of other type of season to make him feel like there's, to give him some dimension or whatever. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to do all that. It just doesn't. Just like, he's the he's the coexistence of peace. He's the smartest one in the world. He, um, you know, he has the most powerful mind in the world. So he has an understanding of how things should be from a philosophical perspective but this didn't feel like a philosophical you know version of charles xavier this felt like a charles xavier that still was that had that was that needed damage control you know and i just didn't like it i felt like he was learning his lesson along the way from days of future past and you know they they yeah i just i just wasn't feeling at all hey, again had nothing to do with james mcgavy's you know, uh, acting ability. Cause he actually, for what it's worth, he did great. He did great. He actually, I mean, he did no wrong. It's just, the, again, the character direction from this point. So I thought that was a little bit, uh, in that case. Um, 
in some cases, they both were they both right. You know, they tried to cram all the story in a little bit to you know to an extent. It met with me leaving the theater was just okay because I mean there were some good things. I expected far worse from this movie to be honest. At the end of the day, um, I watched it and reviewed both the recent Hellboy and even before that Fantastic Four, and I can safely say that this is not anywhere near that bad. It's at the same time it's like a movie that to me it's kind of like you know it's not a need to go see immediately to the theaters thing this is more of a oh this is on uh this is on and nothing else uh, to watch flick so i'll watch it at best you know that's pretty much what it is dark phoenix remind me of the saying any landing that you can walk away from is a good one and for that if i give it a grade if i have to give it a grade unfortunately it's going to be a c minus at best and i know there are people out there especially in our acmg group who've seen the movie who would probably get far worse than that and i couldn't argue that i could not argue that it's just i felt some things that i felt like it was watchable there are some people there are people who may not think so and they and honestly they would be right to do so some people go to the extreme with their critiques of things but you know at this point it's hard to disagree but i can also vouch for the people who may actually just like it for what it is it is what it is if you're looking for a pure to you know pure to source film that feels like the x-men that you grown up and love this might not be it you might want to wait till see what marvel studios is going to do and that's what is going to be it for there so that's it we this is the end of the fox era let's see what marvel studios is going to do and let's see if they can make it right and i have full confidence that they could possibly do the minute that we see everything, I think we're going to have that joyous feel that we have whenever we see a Marvel trailer. Let's find out for sure. But hey, it is what it is. It, it was a bumpy road. Started off really great. Started, if not, got to say, without X-Men, um, you know, putting their hat in, in, in uh, what is the saying? Ah, whatever. If not for X-Men, just contributing, if you will. You know, we wouldn't see what we're seeing right now. And, you know, along with Spider-Man, but especially, especially Blade, which really started it all. There will be no X-Men or Spider-Man if Blade wasn't as successful as it was. Can't uh, say that enough, but, you know, we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Jessica Jones is coming next week. I'm going to review that along with... Any other thing that comes out of E3 or any news that's going on in the world of our favorite fandom, so stay tuned for there. If you want to listen to this again or any of our other episodes, you could go to TalkTimeLive.com, check out all of our episodes and more, including our exclusives on the exclusives page, or type in TalkTimeLive.com forward slash exclusives to check out all of our celebrity guests that has been on the show, some of your favorite voices from your favorite anime and video games and game designers and artists are all there. So definitely check it out from, uh, for that and more. And you can also check us out on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean as well. So plenty of places to find out and check out this show and more. Everybody, thank you again so much for supporting everything that we do, everything that I do here. You know, shout out to everybody who's ever, you know, done anything for me. Again, at the beginning of the show, you know, <laughs> in 92, I could not have been here. And I'm more than grateful and happy to keep doing this at all costs and much more to come, you know, in the world of uh, 
ACMG. So, folks, that will do it. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.